and welcome to the latest episode of the Intelligent Transport podcast. My name is Halima Haq. I'm the editorial assistant of Intelligent Transport and your host for today. Joining me for this episode is Oliver Lord, Head of UK and Head of Strategy at the Clean Cities Campaign. Today we'll be delving into the fascinating realm of sustainable urban transportation with a focus on the pivotal role that electric car sharing and integrated mobility hubs play in improving air quality and making our cities greener. Thank you so much for joining me today, Oliver. It's great to have you here to share your insights and experiences in the world of public transportation. Thanks for having me. Amazing. To kick things off, could you please provide our listeners with a brief overview of your role at the Clean Cities campaign and how it contributes to advancing sustainable and clean transportation solutions? Yeah, sure. So the Clean Cities campaign is part of Transport and Environment, which is an NGO, effectively Europe's leading clean transport campaign group that was created about 30 years ago. Um, It's fair to say together helped shape some of Europe's most important environmental laws. Our vision ultimately is, you know, a zero emission mobility system that's affordable for people and has minimal impacts on our health, uh, the climate, environment. And the Clean Cities campaign is integral to transport and environment. It's a sort of very public-facing campaign that we take to different countries across Europe and, importantly, the cities within those countries where we think the, the greatest change can be can be made. But we're also part of a bigger ecosystem. So we're active in around 20 countries on the continent. And a lot of our work is done in collaboration with around, so far, I think we count around 85 different partner organizations. And these vary from very small grassroots groups all the way up to big uh, NGOs. Partners include Respira, Egologistas, Le Gambiente, Walk Ride Greater Manchester and and all the way up to um, organizations like European Public Health Alliance. So it's a fascinating organization and campaign to be involved in. Amazing. Thank you for providing us with a bit more insight into the context behind the Clean Cities campaign. You've certainly got a global reach, so it'll be really interesting to delve into that a bit more later on. Now, let's dive into the actual heart of the matter. Integrated mobility hubs are a really key aspect of the Clean Cities campaign's vision for sustainable transportation. So how do these hubs fit into the broader picture and what role do they play in achieving your organization's goals? So I think it's fair to say, you know, I mentioned earlier that our vision is about zero emission mobility and integral to that, though, is is a vision around there being fewer motorised vehicles, fewer cars on our streets, not just newer cars. So whilst we're huge advocates of zero emission technologies and especially like electric propulsion. We also want to see initiatives introduced in cities that whereby people feel less need to own their own vehicle, uh, private car ownership, for example. Well, quite often, actually, people are forced into car dependency and private car ownership. And we think actually cities introducing uh, public transport services, but integrating these with other services such as e-scooters, bike sharing, car sharing, and having these as integrated mobility hubs within the communities, within the neighbourhoods that everyone can access, not only individuals, but businesses as well, then we can actually, you know, get to zero emission mobility much quicker because we're not, we're not actually relying on every individual purchasing their own vehicle or having their own way of getting around. We also think that shared mobility generally is actually a shortcut to future-proofing 
urban transport systems because you, we can actually make progress much much quicker as well. And also quite often with relatively limited uh, public funding. So when we put out a report recently, which perhaps we can get into a bit later, called Thank You for Sharing, and where we looked at how cities are introducing uh, initiatives such as shared transport, we did find that there were a number of cities you know, that actually outperform their peers who often don't come top of these ranking sort of systems, such as like Budapest, Sofia and Milan. Um, because they're actually, you know, really embracing the shared mobility uh, aspect of, of the transition to net zero, which actually some of the more traditional cities who you would normally see top of these uh, rankings are, are, are perhaps falling behind a little bit. That's great. I completely agree. I guess shared mobility has really been on the rise, especially since COVID-19. So it's great to see the focus that is being placed on it at the Clean Cities campaign. Of course, when speaking about sustainable transportation, Air quality is undoubtedly a significant concern in urban areas. So how does the Clean Cities campaign believe that the promotion of electric car sharing and integrated mobility hubs can positively impact air quality? And what are the key strategies and outcomes you aim to achieve in this regard? Yeah, I mean, poor air quality is the biggest environmental risk to human health in, in Europe and contributes to a lot of premature deaths and a whole myriad of health impacts on especially the most vulnerable in our society such as children for example research has shown poor air quality has been stunting the lungs of children in London where where I'm based and we also know in, in the UK it, it contributes to around one in 10 cases of lung cancer and you know that's just the UK and you know across Europe a lot of these health impacts uh, can be seen one of the pollutants that is of grave concern to particularly in Europe, is, is nitrogen dioxide, and which is basically a transparent gas that is, is toxic to our health. And high concentrations you know, can lead to a lot of the health impacts I just talked about. And a lot of that nitrogen dioxide kind of comes from the prevalence of diesel vehicles on our roads, which you know, sadly is a consequence of climate policy that has had unfortunate consequences on, on our public health. And, and it shows how we need to integrate better climate and clean air policy in the future. So, you know, when we talk about promoting electric car sharing uh, and these mobility hubs, you know, and how that can positively impact air quality, well, the way we see it is that it will go a long way to helping to drive out diesel off our roads and helping people to experience electric cars as well. Because, you know, often not only do we need to drive out diesel as quick as possible, so if that means helping people to, you know, get rid of their own car and start using shared cars, all the better – but car sharing can also give people an insight and an opportunity to trial new technology, such as electric cars, if they're hesitant to sort of step into that market from the onset. So, you know, electric car sharing is, is a bit of a, a win-win there. And it's being rolled out in many cities. You know, a report has shown that Oslo, Copenhagen, Amsterdam, some of the big cities doing this, as well as Ljubljana and, and Hamburg, and electric car sharing also is, you know, as I mentioned, a way to get electric cars to the masses because we see a higher percentage of the shared cars in our cities being electric compared to privately owned cars. And that can only do wonders for air quality, really. It's really interesting just to get a bit more insight and understand just the work and why you're doing it as well. As you said, monitoring air quality is also really essential in addressing environmental challenges. So how does the Clean Cities campaign approach the monitoring of air quality? And to what extent does data contribute to shaping and refining your sustainable transportation initiatives? 
Yeah, I mean, we don't monetize quality specifically ourselves as a campaign, but we do advocate work and partner with other organizations who either do it themselves or, or kind of apply pressure to, to make sure that there is sufficient air quality uh, monitoring in cities. Because, you know, ultimately, if you want to make change and we want to clean our air, then we do need to help people understand the health impacts of air pollution and, you know, raise awareness around the, the air pollution they are breathing in their local community. So, you know, we're, we're huge advocates of air quality monitoring. And not not only that, though, once you know how poor the air quality is in, in a city, we also need to understand what is causing that poor air quality and the air pollution. And that's where source apportionment modelling also has a huge role to play. And once you kind of you're, you're able to monitor your, poor, your air quality, you can start to ascertain the sources of that. Uh, air pollution and it's it's only then we can actually have a conversation and start to devise the right policy for cities and, and how they can improve air quality and sadly you know not everywhere not all city leaders across the world especially actually have this sort of technical expertise or or the resources to to do that sort of work but once you do then you can be very targeted focused and get the best value for money out of the limited sort of public funds that are available to address this issue you know for example in the uk you know we know from a lot of the academic work that cars and vans and road transport are contributing uh, hugely to you know levels of poor air quality and especially by the roadside and this is where people are most exposed on a daily basis to to air pollution so effectively as as a campaign we continue to push on cities to 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 monitor the level of air quality in their cities but as i say go a bit further and start to understand what the the sources are as well great thank you oliver You've also mentioned the various initiatives that the Clean Cities Air campaign has launched across the globe. So I imagine that collaboration with diverse stakeholders must be a really significant component in the realisation of these initiatives. But there must be challenges involved. So what challenges and opportunities does the Clean Cities campaign encounter in fostering collaboration among these various stakeholders and in promoting sustainable urban transportation? Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating being part of a campaign that is a broad church. I mean, I mentioned that we've got like around 85 different partners across 10, 20 countries and hearing everyone's perspectives, learning from one another is, is a huge opportunity for our campaign and it helps us go further and quicker in our understanding. I think also the other opportunity we have is there's a little bit of fun rivalry between city leaders as well so we can apply positive pressure by kind of referring back to you know oh well you know in in your city things aren't progressing so well but we do know that in Amsterdam this is happening or you know in Paris this this is happening so why is it not happening here and I think that helps to as I say kind of a bit of positive pressure a bit of uh, fun ranking between the cities and, and ultimately create a race to the top between the decision makers and and they can learn from one another as well you know the, the challenges remain the same really across you know all the different cities you know needing clean air needing to uh, achieve our net zero targets but we also know that sometimes you know the solutions can be a little different in each city and especially if you think back to what i just mentioned like the source apportionment uh, issue like what is actually causing some of the the air pollution um so we do flex um we do um we don't really 
as a campaign, want to apply a broad brush to every city that we're, we're campaigning in so that we just campaign for the same thing. But what, a couple of things that we do, are, we are quite consistent on as a campaign across the continent. One is around school streets, which is an initiative where we, we would like to see the road closed off in front of schools during uh, early morning pickup and, and drop-off time so that we can reduce the level of ex to air pollution by school children. We can improve road safety around the school. And this is a widely popular initiative. You know, our polling is shown it's very nonpartisan. It's very um, popular in all the cities that we're kind of campaigning in. So something we're pushing on at a European level. And why that's really important is, you know, for example, in a city like London, it's estimated that about 20 to 25% of the morning peak car traffic is attributed to the school run. So that's basically, you know, parents either needing to or choosing to drive their children to school. And, you know, we'd love to try and see different initiatives introduced to reduce that. That is especially around walking, cycling, better public transport. And it's also around, you know, thinking back to a conversation around shared transport, carpooling and just like helping parents to share rides with each other if the car is still necessary to take their kids to school. It's a, it's a broad church that we campaign with, um, all those different partners. And, you know, another challenge is bringing people together around a united vision, whilst also recognising that some partners will want to go far quicker and, and stronger than others. And, you know, it's fair to say that many of our partners are the biggest advocates for cars just generally because of all the uh, health, environmental and societal impacts that they have in our, in our cities. Whereas, you know, we have other partners who are very sympathetic to the fact that people are quite often locked into car dependency. And, you know, this is decades of infrastructure investment and, you know, advertising and marketing that we're having to undo as a civil society movement. So we think we're striking the right balance, but we we know there are lots of different perspectives and uh, have to bring everyone with us, especially in making that ensure that this is like an equitable transition for people in cities. Brilliant. Thank you for sort of highlighting the rivalry that also exists in these partnerships. It's not usually mentioned when speaking about collaboration in the transport industry, but as you said, it must really motivate cities and they get to learn from each other. So it's great just to get a bit more insight into that. From what you've said, it's really evident that managing the varied perspectives and interests of these different cities and stakeholders can be a complex process. But I guess it just goes to show why these partnerships are so important in fostering comprehensive and effective solutions for sustainable urban transportation. Moving on, technology and innovation play a pivotal role in the ever-evolving landscape of transportation. So within the context of integrated mobility hubs and electric car sharing, how does technology contribute to advancing the Clean City campaign's goals? Are there specific initiatives that have proven particularly impactful? I suppose it's quite interesting that, you know, technology can very quickly disrupt sort of the status quo in cities. And if it is embraced in the right way, and then it can actually, you know, really help to accelerate our transition to net zero. And, and it can do it for the good of everyone who's living in that city as well. And Sometimes, though, if there's like a reaction to it or if it's not anticipated or industry don't necessarily play ball with talking with the local leaders and elected leaders, then there can be animosity and then things can rub up against each other and, and we lose that opportunity. So it's a fine you know, balance of like people 
wanting to integrate and introduce new technology and innovation into our cities, as well as making sure that, you know, the decision making about how it is introduced is also left to the elected leaders as as much as it is to industry and, and the private sector. And an example of that I would give is, well, you know, if we look back over the past decade or so, there has been a huge sort of disruption in the taxi and ride hailing market, you know, with app-based companies. And that really sort of shook up how that industry is regulated and managed and the opportunities that can bring, for example, connecting areas that have very um, poor public transport connectivity, whilst also potentially leading to like, you know, more and more cars in cities. And thinking about today's conversation, I think, you know, the the biggest sort of innovation and and disruptor we're potentially seeing at the minute is in the cities is, is around micromobility and e-bike sharing and e-scooters as well. And we've seen how different cities are reacting to that. We've seen how different cities have have embraced it and how industry have approached things and it's yet to play out. But one of the reasons why we wanted to put out our report, which is um, called Thank You for Sharing, which is looking at the state of shared and zero emission mobility in cities, especially, you know, including shared bikes and, and scooters, was to basically say as a campaign, you know, we do believe these are really good solutions. It can help to accelerate uh, progress. It can help cities who have much less public funding and, and not as much as a public transport network that has, you know, been built up over, you know, the past century in like cities such as London. They can embrace these and help people get around without using polluting cars. And, um, you know, we've seen in Paris that if it's not done properly, then you end up with public referendums where, you know, rental e-scooters are taken off the roads. And I don't, I wouldn't really want to necessarily see that happen in, in every city. So I would say, you know, it definitely contributes technology to advancing our goals. Um, it just has to be done hand in hand. So, that, you know, we're here to talk. To, we really want to talk to the private sector and we want to help bridge that discussion with cities so that we can all advance together rather than it kind of being a bit of a, a reaction or we'll shoot at the hip style um, approach to public policy. Great. As you mentioned, especially with the case of rental e-scooters in Paris, advocacy and policy change are critical for driving widespread adoption of sustainable transportation practices. So I just wanted to understand what policy changes or improvements does the Clean Cities campaign advocate for to support the expansion of integrated mobility hubs and even electric car sharing at the local, regional and national levels? Yeah, I mean, I can especially speak to the situation in the UK at the minute. We've actually been waiting for, I think it's two, maybe even three years. I mean, you'll know that, you know, this is in a broader context of like UK national politics being quite up in the air, really, with lots of changes of ministers and and, and prime ministers even. Uh, And it's led to a lot of delay in in legislation. And, And as I mentioned, you know, when these digital disruptors come in, we need to be able to react quickly as a society and, and through our legislative process. And if we don't, then, you know, things start to get quite bad. And in the UK, we're lacking any sort of, like, regulation around e-scooters, you know, having them properly defined as, you know, in our legislation and the type of vehicle they are and how they can be regulated by uh, local leaders and, and city leaders, which has basically left very different approaches up and down the country and there'd be no consistent approach, which not only doesn't help people living 
with these, you know, services quite often littering pavements, for example. But it also doesn't help the businesses who actually genuinely want to invest in these services and, and help the city leaders to achieve their climate goals. The other example also being around electric car sharing, you know, London alone has 33 different authorities that, you know, make up the entire greater London and 9 million people. And you can walk between the different boroughs and have a very different experience when it comes to being able to use not only shared e-bike services, but also shared electric car services. And like I say, it's no use to someone who just wants to get across the city because they don't really care if they're driving in Redbridge at the minute or they're driving in Barnet, Camden or Lewisham. They just want to be able to get from A to B. And that's what we need to do. We need to make it as, as easy as possible for people. And I think that's where, yes, we need legislation at a national level, but also political leadership makes a difference as well. You know, if I stick with London, we've seen three electric car club operators, I think, leave the market in the last three years. And I think that's also because we've just been lacking a vision and leadership at the top, really, kind of embracing electric car clubs and actually saying that they will play a role in the future of the city. And, you know, again, going back to our report, thank you for sharing, we saw a huge variation in the results of otherwise sort of similar cities as well. And I think that points to the importance of local leadership. We think the best performing cities are those where decision makers set clear, strong objectives and, and make targeted investments in integrated mobility hubs, but also electric car sharing. And, and they acknowledge, you know, the, the potential of these services and also provide and prioritize space and the infrastructure for them as well. You know, and that includes rolling out charging infrastructure, for example, that could be prioritised for these services because shared services are always going to be better than entirely private ones. Amazing. Thank you, Oliver. You've mentioned some really significant points, so I do hope that our leaders at the top take all of these things into consideration, especially because it's so important that they are addressed to foster sustainable urban transportation. Finally, as we conclude the podcast episode today, I wanted to shift our focus to the theme of the future by asking you, how does the Clean Cities campaign envision contributing to enhancing urban air quality, especially within the domains of integrated mobility hubs and electric car sharing? Are there any specific goals or initiatives that you're particularly excited about? Yeah, I think we actually all came together recently. We're a remote team. There's roughly 20 of us and, and we were lucky enough to come together recently here in London and talk through some, you know, the future a bit, talk through what we think will be some of the biggest challenges for cities and, and how we can advance our mission as quick as possible. And, and one of those actually uh, was around, we, was a topic we, we touched on a lot was around urban freight. So thinking a little bit outside the domain of uh, personal mobility and thinking about urban freight in our cities. And, you know, we kind of believe there needs to be a fundamental, you know, a structural change in, in how urban freight moves around our cities. You know, it's, it's a huge issue that we're seeing more and more like commercial vehicles on our streets, you know, predominantly vans, predominantly diesel vans contributing to poor air quality. And, you know, we're not necessarily seeing the policies and strategies coming around to address that and that includes consolidation you know thinking differently about timing of you know access to the roads for, for freight vehicles and also we've got a 
campaign that we've been running in London with partners called Cargo Revolution, which is which is about embracing electric assist cargo bikes and you know showing that they are actual utility vehicles that can get around cities far quicker than uh, like commercial vehicles can. That you know they can park more easily, they're much more agile and obviously healthier for the drivers, but also uh, the people living in the cities. So. I think, you know, how we can then integrate the changes that we need to see in urban freight, for example, like parcel drop-off and pick-off points for people into integrated mobility hubs, that would be quite exciting to see, I think, where, you know, we can have a, a whole model whereby not only are we introducing mobility hubs for personal mobility, but also for businesses as well and, and for the freight industry. An example would be that at a mobility hub, you'd not only have an electric car for local people to use, but perhaps an electric van as well that local businesses can share. And we're already seeing, for example, shared electric cargo bike uh, schemes uh, being introduced in London that local businesses can use between themselves rather than having to fork out for you know their own vehicle or we're still buying an older polluting vehicle to go about doing their business. So I would, yeah, I'd probably say that's an area looking to the future that we want to do a lot more uh, work on and we've got some exciting plans around that. That's certainly a compelling vision, Oliver. So thank you for sharing that with us today. It's really interesting to see that the Clean Cities campaign is not only focusing on the public transport sector and integrated mobility, but also just how urban freight sort of fits into this idea of fostering sustainable urban transportation. Unfortunately, that is all that we have time for today. Oliver, thank you so much for taking the time to join me for this episode and for sharing your invaluable insights into the realm of sustainable urban transportation, as well as the impactful work of the Clean Cities campaign. It's been an enlightening conversation and I'm sure our listeners have gained a deeper understanding of the critical role that integrated mobility hubs and electric car sharing play in shaping the future of transportation. So thank you once again. Thanks for having me. And yeah, um, I'd love, you know, if any of your listeners want to get in touch, they can find us at cleancitiescampaign.org. Brilliant. Before we go, a quick note to our listeners. I hope that you all enjoyed today's episode. If you're keen to hear more about other key topics from within the transport industry, then please do make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on our future episodes, as we have plenty more exciting discussions in store for you. You can listen to every episode of our podcast, both past and future, on our website, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as any other platform that you usually listen on. On behalf of myself and Oliver, thank you all for your time and for listening to us today. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.